Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So we're, we're in this uh, second uh, week of our series called Occupy. And Heather kicked it off last week, just did a fabulous job. If you did not get a chance to hear that message or watch it, you can go to our Facebook page, watch it on there, uh, or tune into our, check out our podcast at church214.org. I would highly suggest to do that. It's a fabulous word that she had for all of us. And it's just amazing how God continues to set us up. Uh, continues to, we plan these series months in advance, and he continues to just show himself that he knows exactly what we're doing. When, when we thought, hey, we might be occupying 307 Oak Street at the, in May 2020, he, he's like, no, but that's okay because I want to occupy your hearts once again first. And that's what he's doing in this season. And so we just trust him. We press into what he's doing. And I'm just so excited to share this word that I have for you today. Um, I want to start out by, by reading this verse from Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and 2 says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Listen to this. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. That's a sobering passage. See, right now there is a war that is raging, raging, for the occupation of land. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but you you know what? Jesus, he said that you were to occupy land. You were created. He put Adam and Eve in a garden to occupy a certain space, to cultivate it and tend it and take care of it. He, he intended for us to occupy physical land. The living rooms that you're in right now, the, uh, the space that you're in, maybe you're driving in the car listening to this, you were created to occupy space, physical space. You were also created to occupy spiritual space. And there, this war is raging in the unseen worlds, and we're seeing the evidence in our physical realm right now, but it is raging right now, my friends. We, we cannot deny this. If I've felt the oppression. I know you feel the oppression. But here's the thing. we got to trust Jesus. We can trust Jesus because he is the true and the faithful one. And you were created, I want to say at the outset, you were created to occupy land, territory, to enlarge your tent on this physical earth and in your heart. There's this land that we're going to talk about today within you that's so important. You have to occupy that. Jesus has to occupy that before he can occupy physical land out of you. Our church is built on the verse from Acts 2.14 where Peter and the apostles, they stepped forward into an occupation. They stepped forward because of the call of God on the day of Pentecost. Uh, The Holy Spirit moved mightily, and and they launched the church that day, but it was them taking a step. And that's why we will will always go back to that foundation as a church. We stand on their shoulders as this church 2,000 years later, and we take steps forward to occupy more space in here and out here. And the same Jesus that called the the, the apostles to do that is the same Jesus that's calling you to occupy space today, for you to step forward. Not to step backwards, not to step to the side, 
not to stand still in fear, but to step forward in faith. Hello? To occupy the land, check this out, that he has assigned to you. He is a land that he has assigned to each and every person that's watching this right now. You have to take a step, though, in order to take possession of that land. It's your land, but you have to partner with Christ and take that possess, full possession of it. It requires you to move. It requires movement on your behalf. See, God is always moving, but it's tragic when we stop moving with him. He has a land of promise for you, but it's tragic when we stand back in fear and don't fully occupy the space that he's designed for us. So we're going to talk about that today. Before we do, I just want to have a teaching moment because this is crucial to clarify what we're talking about. Um, we are made out of three distinct pieces that, that join us as one person. So Chris Taves, he's made out of these three things. You are too. A spirit, a soul, and a body. Now, your spirit when you turn to Jesus for the first time, when you repent of your sins, when you make him the Lord and the Savior, the master of your life, when you do that, in that moment, his spirit marks your spirit. His spirit seals your spirit, and that cannot be taken away. He occupies that space within you. Ephesians 1.13 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Get it? Okay. So your spirit, if you've turned to him, if you haven't turned to him, you can turn to him right now. You just, you, it, it's not a formula prayer. You just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. I stop walking my own way, and I start walking your way. And in that moment, you are marked with the Spirit of God, and your spirit is his, and it communicates with him. That's your spirit. Secondly, we are made of a body, right? This is the most easy to understand. You see this beautiful specimen standing before you here today. Yeah, this is my body. You have one too, I hope. It's, it's the, the dirt of the ground that God formed us with, and he breathed his spirit into us. It's the easiest to understand. I won't spend a, long a lot of time on it. But the thing is here, your body impacts your soul and your spirit and, and vice versa. They all work together in conjunction. It's very important to understand these distinct but, but um, unified pieces. Lastly, and this is where I want to spend the most time, is your soul. This is what we're going to talk about today. Your soul. Your soul is comprised of your mind, so your thoughts. You have thousands of thoughts a day, okay? It's comprised of your mind, your will, like, should I do this or this? Like, which way should I go, right? And your emotions. I, I think music worship is so powerful because it is emotional, and that's a good thing. It, we can have good emotions or bad emotions, but that's a part of your soul. Uh, another word for this is your heart. We talk a lot at Church 214 about your heart condition. That's the soul. We're talking about your soul, okay? That's what I want you to understand from the, the baseline where I'm going here today. Jesus said it like this. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. So what happens within you defines what is going to happen with outside of you. Understand what I'm saying? What happens in your spirit and soul is going to define what your body does, the actions that you take, what comes out of your mouth. He said, out of the heart, the soul, 
the mouth speaks. So what's happening inside your soul is coming out of your mouth. Very important to understand this. Proverbs says, guard your heart, guard your soul with all diligence, for out of it flow all the issues of life. It also says in Proverbs, as a man thinks, so is he. Those are all soul conditions that determine the physical nature of where you're going, where you're stepping, what you're speaking. Get it? So that's your soul. We're going to define that today as your heartland. Heartland. In John, he says in 3 John, he says it this way. He says, beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health. That's your physical body. You continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. So here's the connection. He's praying for both our soul and our physical body. And there's this massive connection between the two. Your body, your soul, your spirit, they're all working together for good or for evil, and they impact one another. But today we're going to focus primarily on the soul. And it's hard to understand the soul, right, because we can't see it. We can see evidence of it, but we can't fully see it. Our mind, our will, and our emotions, our heart. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, in your living rooms, I'm calling today's message, Scout the Heartland. Scout the Heartland. Let's just pray before we get going any further. Holy Spirit, thank you that your presence is strong in this place today. In these living rooms that are occupied by your faithful servants God, I pray for listening ears and obedient hearts this morning. You know that from the beginning of this church, you've told us to talk again and again and again about the condition of our hearts because it's so important. Jesus, you desire a heart that is fully abandoned to you, the heart of David that is not 99% yours but 100% yours, that is so yours, Jesus. And we pray today, God, that you would just reveal the rebellion in our own hearts. Every single one of us has things that we need to deal with to weed the garden of our hearts, to tend the heartland, if it will, if, if you were. I just want to prophesy for a moment. I feel, you know, we are in the heartland of Illinois, physically. We are in the heartland of America, physically. I want to prophesy over this church and say you have been planted in a strategic place, physically. It might be sexier on the West Coast or the East Coast. The coast, coast might be the, the cool thing, but there's something about the heartland that you're doing right now in this time place. You are not here by accident. You are not designed to pack up and leave Illinois. You are designed to be planted here in Peoria, Illinois for such a time as this. Jesus, we just pray that you would raise up Joseph's and Daniel's and Esther's. You have them in place. We pray that you would activate them now in Jesus' name, that what is closed will be open in Jesus' name. You have spoken that through your spirit, and I prophesy that today, that we would join with you, that we would step forward in your movement, that the devil thinks that he's doing something that's going to wreck us, but in fact he's doing something that's going to revive us back to your heart.
you are perfectly positioned where you are. But you can't look at fear. We've got to join with faith. So I call out faith to rise up within myself, within every person that's hearing this word of God, that faith would rise up and nothing can stop the faith of God. The, the people of God that carry the spirit of God, nothing can stop that. The demons tremble when they hear this. Even now, Jesus, would you break the chains of bondage? Would you break this Egypt from among us? Because you have a Red Sea for us to walk through on dry ground and you will crush the enemy like you always have, like you've already done. We can stand firm with the blood of the lamb that was shed for us. It's still true and it holds the greatest power and so we stand under that. The doorposts of our hearts are painted with the blood of the lamb and so by with the blood of the lamb we overcame him and by the word of our testimony that's going forth right now and that then that thirdly we loved not our lives even unto death because we know that death in this life is resurrection in the next life. So we have nothing to fear. We just speak faith and we step forward as our name indicates in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. Scout the heartland. When I think about scouting land, I think about the story of the 12 spies. The 12 spies of, of Israel, they were on the verge of their promised land. They knew that they were about to occupy the land. They had escaped Egypt through the Red Sea, seen all these miracles. They go to Mount Sinai. They camp out for a while, and then God leads them through their sometimes obedience, sometimes disobedience to the edge of the promised land. And in Numbers 13, we read this story, and the Lord says to Moses, he says, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I am giving to you, period. Send one leader, Moses, from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men in bold, all tribal leaders of Israel. They were all leaders of each tribe, handpicked by God, by Moses. He sent them out from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. This wasn't their first rodeo. They were leaders of leaders. They knew the promises of God. They were strong, confident leaders. And Moses gave them some instructions. He says, okay, go north through the Negev country into hill country. See what the land is like. And find out whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do the towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or is it poor? Are there trees? Bring back some samples of the crop. It was harvest time. And they went out together, 12 men together. They went in a group, this is very important, throughout the land. And they spent, check this out, 40 days scouting the land. And they come back 40 days later, and this is their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It's indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. And they, they brought samples back, huge clusters of grapes. 
But they said this. Their tone changed. They said the people living there, though, they're powerful. And their towns are large and they're fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Remember that. And so they're giving this bad report in front of all the people after spending 40 days together in the land. And the people begin to freak out, right? But one of the spies, his name was Caleb, and he tried to quiet the people and, and as they stood before Moses. And he said, no, 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 guys, we can take the land. We've been promised the land. I, I don't know that you've, you remember that now, but we can conquer the land. And the other spies that were with him, except for Joshua, they disagreed with him. And they said, we, we can't go up into this land against them. They're stronger than we are. And so they spread this bad report among the Israelites. Ten men among a million people spread a bad report, and it cost them the lives of an entire generation. That is massively sobering. You and I had better check our heart, check our soul, and make sure that it, what is being stirred up in there and then proceeding from our mouth is not a bad report because it could cost you the promised land or the wilderness. That's the difference between what is being stirred up in your heart and coming out of your mouth. The 10 spies said, hey, the land we traveled through and explored, it'll devour any one of us that goes into there. We saw people that were huge. We even saw giants there, the Nephilim. Here it is again, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So the enemy has gotten so in their minds in 40 days that they all of a sudden know what the giants are thinking? Really? See, Moses and, and the Lord never asked the question, can we defeat them? That was never the purpose of the scouting trip. The question was never asked, can we defeat them? That question had been answered a long time ago. Do you remember the burning bush, Exodus 3, when Moses was hiding out in fear in the wilderness, and one day he comes across this bush, he's tending sheep, minding his own business, just trying to stay out of Pharaoh's way because he had killed that guy, and all of a sudden he sees the bush that's burning, but it, but it won't burn up. So he goes closer and closer, and all of a sudden the voice of the Lord speaks to him from the bush, says, Moses, take off your sandals, you are on holy ground. And he does so, and he starts to relay his most holy name that had never been relayed to anyone before, the name of Yahweh. And he gives Moses this instructions of how he's going to release the people from their bondage in, in Egypt. I mean, these 12 scouts, they knew that story. These million people, they knew that story. And God says at the burning bush to Moses, he says, Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told me, I've been watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. Side note, he's watching closely. He knows the bondage that you're in right now, that we're in right now. He knows, and he has a plan. We don't have to be afraid. 
And the Lord continued to Moses, he says, I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt, and I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. There it is, the land, and he spells it out exactly where it is, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The whole nation of Israel knew this promise. That's that's why they had been set free from Egypt. They knew exactly where they were going. The 12 men that, that, were, that were handpicked by Moses, they especially knew this promise. They, they went together to scout the land, remember? They were scouting the land in order to, to take the land. There was no question of if they could defeat him. It was just a matter of how and when. The only purpose of, the scouting, land was to de- of scouting the land was to decide where to attack the enemy first. And these 12 spies, they went into the land united, and they came out divided, 40 days. They went in together with one mandate, and they came out separated. That's a scary thought. Why? You heard in their bad report that they referenced several times the sons of Anak, these giants, the Nephilim. Remember Satan? His old name was Lucifer. He was a beautiful, angelic being created by God. And one day he decided to go against God. He decided to try to put himself higher than God. He said, I will ascend higher than the Lord. He rebelled against the Lord. And when he did that, he was thrown down to earth, and he became our enemy. Well, when he did that, he wasn't the only angelic being that defected. He wasn't the only angelic being that rebelled. The Nephilim are the fallen sons of God. In other words, they were angelic beings that rebelled just like Satan. It says a third of the angels rebelled against God. And in Genesis 6, we read this. This is crazy, I know. This is crazy, but it's in there. The Nephilim, these fallen demonic angels, they came down to earth in those days, and they had physical relations with the daughters of men. And they created an offspring here on earth. Thus, the giants, the sons of Anak, these people that that the scouts saw in the land were demonic creatures. See, God's so good that he lets us choose whether to accept him or reject him. He'll give, he'll give you exactly what he wants, what you want. He'll give you exactly what you want. And he offers that same choice to the heavenly realms. See, love isn't really love unless you have a choice, is it? And our God is so good that he gives you a choice. And these giants, these sons of Anak, see, this is why God especially wanted them removed from that land. It was a demonic power grab. And God was using his chosen people to literally wipe out demons, or that was the plan. Because God always removes what's demonic. He always removes the rebellion in your life, in my life, and in the land. That's why, among other things, he chose for that to be the land that the Israelites wiped off the face of the earth to occupy. 
So when the spies, at least 10 of them, when they went in and they saw these literal six-fingered giants, way bigger than they were, they were looking at literally half-demonic creatures. It's no joke. It was real. The strongest among us would be scared when looking back at one of these giants. But you have to remember, these 12 spies, they had seen a lot of things in the last two years. They were leaders of their tribes. They grew up in the same environment. They, they saw, they were there. They put the blood on the doorposts of their homes, and they were protected when the death angel came and killed the firstborn of every son of Egypt. They knew how powerful that was. They saw the 12 plagues. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They turned around and saw the Egyptian armies get crushed. They were at Mount Sinai. They saw and heard and felt the mountain tremble with the voice of God. They saw Moses come down from the mountain, his face glowing because he had just met face to face with God. They knew and experienced all of these things. They ate manna and quail. God provided for them over and over and over again. They saw the pillar of cloud and the fire at night. All of that had happened in less than a two-year period of time. And here they are standing at the edge of their promised land. The strongest, the best, well-equipped leaders that Israel had. And after 40 days of scouting the land, only two of the 12 thought that they could take the land. That's a sobering reality. See, they lost the occupation of their soul, their heart, their mind, their will, and emotions long before they lost the occupation of the physical land. It's amazing what can happen in a 40-day time frame, isn't it? You realize just two or three days ago was the mark of our 40-day shelter-in-place order in Illinois. What has your soul been staring at for the last 40 days? I'll admit, I've been looking at fear sometimes. I've been looking at the giants some of the time. But we have to take control of our soul, of our heartland, and turn it towards the one who is so much more powerful. I've felt the oppression of the giants. I've, I know this whole thing is so demonic. It's real. The giants are real. Real, demonic, six-fingered freaks. And they are coming to take you out. They want to take you out. But I came to tell you today that the one that's living inside of you, the one that's sealed your spirit, the one you carry around, he is greater than he that is in the world. I came to tell you today that this enemy occupation will soon be over, but you've got to step into faith. You've got to partner with what Jesus is doing and step into the land. You can't stand around and look at the giants and quake in fear. You've got to say, like David said to Goliath, you're done. You know, you know Goliath was one, the last son of Anak, the last of the Nephilim that we know of that was killed. And David, a man after God's own heart, it's just so fitting that he would be the one to take him down. A man who said, God, just look in my heart, examine me. He wasn't perfect, but he turned back to God again and again and again. And God is so faithful. He's so faithful. 
In Numbers 14, we read this, that the 10 men that Moses sent to explore the land, the ones who had incited rebellion, incited rebellion. With one bad report, they incited rebellion against the Lord. They were struck down dead with a plague. And of the 12 who explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. See, your bad report, the things that are stirring up in your soul, that come out of your mouth that's not of God, that's rebellion. You are rebelling against God when something like that comes out of your mouth. The things that stir up in your, your, your thought life, your will that's tension to go one way or the other, your emotions, the things that are not of God, that is rebellion against the most high God. And that's what we need to take back today. This is why we must continually scout our own heartland and identify the giants that are within us. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And we can understand why now, because the first one that rebelled is the evil one who comes against us. He rebelled against God. We have to take control of our soul, my friends. There are things that are dying in our souls because of a bad report that's, that has bad seeds planted in there. Philippians 4.8, Paul says this. He says, fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. See, that's what Joshua and Caleb were, were doing when they scouted the land. They fastened their thoughts. They're like, if Jesus did this before, he can do it again. I trust him. If he parted the Red Sea before, he will do it again. That's what we have to say. That's the testimony. That's the word of our testimony, and that defeats the evil one. That's what our soul has to highlight. See, many of us are not aware of what our soul is highlighting because it's so unseen. There's such this tension and battle that's going on within us, but many times we're not aware of it. I think most of the time we're not aware of it. It just comes out. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about all the things that have changed in the last 40 days in the physical realm. So many changes, so much information, so much deception. Then think of all the things that have changed in your heart condition, in your soul, the things that have stirred up. Maybe some of them you've rejected, but some of them you're holding on to. The rebellion that may have already been planted there and you didn't even know it. See, everything that's going on right now is about the occupation of your soul. The enemy is trying to occupy your soul because this is real. You have an enemy. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is real. You have a powerful, demonic enemy that is trying to take you out, and he has one purpose, to kill you or to steal from you or to destroy you. That's what Jesus says. He says, I've come to give you life, but your enemy, he's com he comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy Think about it. If you knew that every moment of every day someone was trying to break into your house to either kill you or maim you or rob you, uh, steal from you or destroy you, what would you do? What would you do? You'd get an alarm system, right? You'd probably get some weapons up in this place. Like no one coming in my house and taking me out, right? 
Here's the thing. You do have weapons for your soul. Ephesians 6. You have a weapon against the enemy. It's the blood of the lamb. Revelation says you, you overcame him. That is a promise. That is active. That's what you are doing when you step in to your land. You overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and that you didn't love your life even to the point of dying. Those are some of your weapons against the evil one. And you have an alarm system, the Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Spirit, just like we talked about in the beginning. And Jesus said in John 14, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? Teach you all things. Not some things, not a few things, like he will teach you all things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. But your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions has to be listening to what the Spirit's saying to your spirit. Romans 8 says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. He communicates with our spirit that we are God's children. Is your soul listening to what your spirit is saying, to what the Spirit of God is trying to teach you in all things? Back to the children of Israel. Because of the bad report from the ten spies, this is what the Lord says. Not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I have performed both in Egypt and the wilderness. But again and again they have tested me and refused to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land that I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. That is absolutely tragic. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. An attitude, a different attitude, a different heart condition, a different soul condition. That's what Caleb and Joshua had. And God says, he's remained loyal to me, so I'm going to bring him into the land that he explored. And his descendants will possess their full share of the land. But as for you others, you get what you want. Turn around and go back into the wilderness. And 40 days of not having the Lord occupy their soul cost them 40 years and an entire generation died off. And it prevented them from taking the land that God had assigned to them. My friends, this cannot be us. This cannot be us. The Lord has a land that he has assigned to each and every one of you. But it's up to your soul to step forward in faith and partner with him. To have your soul fully and completely occupied by Jesus. See, God will give you exactly what you desire. He will, and that's terrifying sometimes. Until we have the courage to face the rebellion that is going on inside of us. To look up to the giants like David looked and speak back the voice of the Lord. Until we have that courage, parts of your soul will wander in the wilderness. And you will not fully take the ground that you are intended to have. 
God will give you exactly what you want. This is a real battle for the occupation of your soul. See, either the devil owns a part of the patch of ground in your heart, or Jesus does. There's no middle ground. There may be pieces of your soul that are occupied by Jesus, but there may be strongholds that the enemy is operating from. It's a battleground. See, that's why Jesus, in one moment, he could look to Peter and say, Peter, get behind me, Satan, because of the words that were coming out of Peter's mouth. And then the next moment, he could look at Peter and call out the good report and say, Peter, on this rock, on this heartland, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, we need to scout our heartland, never stop scouting the heartland, and then we need to root out any kind of evil, to root out any kind of rebellion. I want you to just stand up wherever you are right now. I know you're comfortable in your living rooms, but I want you to do something to shift the atmosphere of your soul. Just stand up right now. Yep, that's you. I know you got kids around and different things, but this is important. Why don't you close your eyes? We're just going to shift the atmosphere of our heart conditions right now. We're going to shift the heartland. I want you to imagine that your heart is a house. It's spring cleaning time, and you've probably been doing a lot of this in the physical realm. There's, if you're anything like me, your garage is half full of stuff that needs to go to Goodwill and the Salvation Army. You've been rooting out different things in your house. See, the whole idea of spring cleaning is that you're discovering things that don't belong there. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, what are the closets that you've just stuffed junk into? What are the attic places that you've just pushed things into that you've kind of forgotten about, but that giants and the enemy is still operating in? There's things that don't belong in your heartland. There's things that don't belong in your soul and my soul. And see, before you can remove the giants, you have to understand who you're fighting. You have to understand how to attack them and defeat them. You know that there's that room in your heart that you've been meaning to evaluate and clean out and examine for years and to let the Spirit of the Lord into, but you just haven't done it yet. This is a moment of obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to the Lord is so important. It's the opposite of rebellion. Just allow the Holy Spirit to blow through your house, through your heartland right now, and expose anything within you that needs to be removed. David said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what we're doing right now. Expose the hidden things of the heart. You may not even be aware of some of the things. And this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to take this very seriously. I want you to pray every day this week and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me those areas in my life where the giants live? 
those areas in my life that need to be taken out. And I want you to write them down privately, but I want you to do that every day this week. Because this is a two-part series. This week we're scouting the heartland. And next Sunday we're preparing to take the heartland. We're going to go to war. But in order to go to war, we have to first identify the giants. Identify where they can be taken out at. Jesus, would you show us where we are vulnerable? Would you reveal our rebellion to us? Many times we don't even see what we're battling. God, this is the unseen world. Some things can be confusing from our childhood even. Would you reveal things that are generational? Would you reveal things to us that we've just, we, we know right now that, that that closet needs to be opened. Would you reveal things to your people right now so that we can step into full possession of the land? We have to be united in this. We can't have just two out of 10. We gotta have, we have or two out of 12, we gotta have 12 out of 12. We got to have 12 out of 12. You, you said your church has to be united, Jesus. So, God, we, we, we bow before you right now in Jesus' name. Just open up your hands to him in this moment. The Holy Spirit's working in your soul. His spirit is speaking to your spirit. He's revealing things to you right now that need to be rooted and flushed out. God, we don't want to be the same people that we were yesterday. We want to be different. We want to continue to chase after the heart of David. Because you created that heart that's 100% after you, and you are coming back to inherit that heart. So we want to be that heart. We want to take full possession of the land, both spiritually and physically. God, expose the areas to each one of us, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us if there's any wicked way in us, any rebellion in us. We use such soft words for what's actually rebellion, God. If we are not claiming a promise of you, if it's alters in our soul from a promise of yours, then that is rebellion. That is as the sin of witchcraft. And we speak against that right now in Jesus' name for every heart that is listening, for every heart that is tuned in right now. We speak against rebellion, against witchcraft, and it's got to go. And we're going to go to war. We are going to war against it. We know the enemy doesn't want us to take the land, so he's going to lie to us. But we reject the lies and we hold on to your truth. We hold on to the one that is faithful and true. And the truth is that we are overcomers, that we overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimonies, the good reports that's coming out of our soul, out of our mouth, and speaking things that need to be spoken, your word. And that we, didn't, we don't love our lives unto death because we know that death in this physical life is just resurrection in the next. So, God, we cling to you. We thank you for what you're doing in each one of our hearts. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. I had a dream a week and a half ago. And in this dream, I 
was running a race. I was like on a, don't laugh, but I was on like a Mario Kart race track, like, but it was all concrete. I wasn't in a car, though. I was running, physically running a race, and I was kind of in the middle of the pack of this entire race, and I was trying to win. I, I was supposed to win the race. That was my, my goal. That's what I was set out to do, and, and I was struggling. I was in the middle of the pack, and, and all of a sudden, I felt the, somebody pick me up from behind and just scoot me really far along. I was like all of a sudden going like Sonic the Hedgehog, like really fast. And I thought this person from behind me was helping me, but then all of a sudden he sneered. Right when I got near the front, he sneered and he threw me off the edge of a cliff, off this ravine, and I tumbled down. And the person that I thought was helping me was actually hindering me. And this dream rattled me, and I ended up winning the race only because of the power of Jesus. And I was given a trophy at the end, but the part about this person that threw me off, who I thought was a friend, who I thought was helping me, was really hindering me. That's what disturbed me the most. And so the next day after I had this dream, I, I, I felt very prompted. I was working on this message. And all of a sudden, I felt very prompted to just write down the whole dream and, and record it in my prophetic journal. And so I wrote it down, and I finished writing it down, and I felt like I had I'd completed that obedient act. And then I went back to writing my message. And these, this was the verse that I had two weeks ago, but way before the dream, that I had written down and I'd forgotten about for my message. I, I went from writing about the dream to reading this, Galatians 5, 7 to 10. You were running the race so well. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. And I believe Jesus is saying to you today, especially through these last 40 days, he's saying like he said to me, you were running the race so well. Who's hindering you? Because it's not me. It's not me. I'm the one who brings you freedom. And freedom starts in your soul. And that cannot be taken away. You were running so well. Man, I confess I've stumbled along in the last 40 days. I haven't been totally myself. I'm looking at fear and I'm looking at faith and I'm trying to step towards the land. And Jesus is saying to all of us, you got this. I'm with you. You're an overcomer. But the battle starts within. Don't keep looking at the external. That'll take care of itself. The freedom starts within. And I'm bringing you into freedom right now. I'm bringing you into a land of freedom, and it starts with your heartland, the soul. Guys, we have to get this right. Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you that you are running the race ahead of us, and that you are bringing us into a prosperous, plentiful land. 
And we pray for the health of our physical bodies and our land, but we also pray, like John said, that your soul would prosper, that our souls would prosper, because what's in us comes out of us. We pray for good reports, Jesus. We pray this week as we step and press into you that you would reveal to us the rebellion that's in our hearts, that we can deal with it step by step. Next week, we're going to deal with it. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you that you are the true and the faithful one, that you are the lamb. Your blood was shed. We stand on that promise. Nothing can take us away from you. We apply your blood, the blood of the lamb, to the doorposts of our hearts, and we step into freedom into the heartland. In Jesus' name, amen.